what is the top non-Luno crypto project that you are actually interested in? Hey guys, my name is Chun Wing and you are tuning in to the Crypto Copy Down, Malaysia's top crypto podcast. Usually what happens is that I talk to the camera and the camera doesn't talk back. But today I've got a few friends, including as per usual, Casey and one friend today that I do not think we need any introduction to, but I'm going to do it anyway. Aaron Tang is not just the legendary poster boy slash country manager from Luno, he is also the writer at Mrs. Tinji and is also famous for being the guy who made Dividend Magic a popular dividend investor review his face. Aaron, welcome to the Crypto Copy Down. Thanks, Chilwang and Casey for having me. Um, I'm, I've been good. Yeah, just to clarify, I did not make Dividend Magic reveal his face. He <laughs> wanted to reveal it anyway. I was just the conduit to make it happen. Yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> true story. True story. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. And, and usually the first question that we ask people uh, that come on to the podcast is, you know, like how did you stumble upon crypto? So by tradition, we will have to ask you that first. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you started uh, with crypto and etc. This was back in 2016. So I was reading about this new innovation called Bitcoin. I, I was always wanting to figure out how to value Bitcoin. Like what's the value of Bitcoin worth? Is it undervalued, overvalued? And then over time, I just decided that maybe the best way to, to learn more about it is actually give it a try. So happened that I had a little bit of extra savings at that point of time. So I decided to, to try a bit. And then I, I reached out to one of my friends who also writes a blog uh, at Ringgit or Ringgit. Her name is Soraya. She's quite well known uh, okay. in the crypto circles. Yep. So she, she gave me some tips like how I might want to get started. And I just got started something small. Obviously, the initial thought was all about profit, right? How do I make more money? But the more I read about the technology, the more I read about what was happening, the ideas behind it, the more I figured out that, hey, this is an idea that can potentially change the world and got hooked ever since. So if I'm not mistaken, you started by talking about crypto on Mr. Stingy first. Is that correct? Yeah. So I did talk about talk a little bit about it. I think I actually bought first before I actually wrote my like super basic articles about it. So I guess the question is like, you know, back then there was no Luno or anything like that. So everybody, you know, the, the, the usual story is that, you know, when we talk to somebody who is new in the crypto space, they usually say, oh, you know, I bought like 0.0001 Bitcoin from, from Luno. But how did you start off uh, when it came to purchasing crypto and et cetera first? Yeah, back then when I first started, Luno actually already, I think probably around the same time, 2016, it was already active in Malaysia. Uh, my first crypto purchase was not through Luno, but I think my second one was through Luno. So it wasn't that hard to, to, to get involved. Um, I think the, the interesting thing about, you know, we talk about decentralization, everything, but ultimately most people will still get started through a centralized exchange. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was actually we, we, my, my route in. Yeah, we, we might need to sort of like explain a little bit like uh, what is a centralized exchange first though. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So a centralized exchange is 
uh, exchange that is run by a normal company or a normal, you know, they have, a, they have an office, they have staff, they have board of directors, they have a CEO. So that's what you call a centralized exchange. Most of the exchanges that you will see in the news are centralized exchanges, whether that is something like Coinbase or something like Kraken. Those are centralized exchanges. Now, in the world of decentralized exchanges, they are trying to mimic the purpose of centralized exchanges, but using computer code all the way. So these are your Uniswap and all the other decentralized exchanges, which allow you to convert between crypto to other crypto, but without like a centralized entity or without like a company or without a building. You know, what's really interesting is that looking at your background, right? You actually came from an oil and gas background. And then all of a sudden you're in crypto and you're really, really heavily uh, heavily invested in finance and everything like that. So how did you make that jump? And also, uh, I feel like there is sort of like a recurring trend whereby we see a lot of engineers and also potential computer programmers that are sort of jumping into uh, crypto as well. Is that true? And what do you think? Yeah, if we talk about my personal journey, I spend most of my career in oil and gas. So that's almost, <clears throat> that's almost a decade of my life. And then I actually switched to learning and development. So for two years, I was involved in the training industry, doing uh, leadership training and also getting involved in social projects. And then that, after that, that was when I jumped into crypto. So I've always had this, um, maybe you can say the part that attracts me to crypto is the, the, you know, you're always challenging the status quo, right? You're not satisfied with the way things are. And I think throughout my career, I've always been thinking like, is there something more that I can do? Is there something different that I need to do versus the, the normal traditional career path? And I think that probably led me down the, the road to crypto. Lah. Um, to your second question, you said that um, there are engineers, there are computer tech guys who, who tend to be attracted to crypto. I think that is very natural because to understand crypto itself, you often need to have some understanding of computer science or even a little bit of engineering or at least be good with maths and, and try to understand the concepts behind it. It can be very difficult for someone who's not from a maths and science background to, to understand the computer geeky stuff behind crypto. Not saying that it's impossible. It's, I, I guess it's a little bit harder. Lah. So even if you look at some of the, the Luno customer profiles, you'll see that there are a lot of people from those kind of like entrepreneurial, self-employed, and also those who are in finance. So it's, it's almost like, the, the field is so new that it tends to attract people who can understand the maths behind it right now. Talking about the status quo though, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, when you started out in crypto, you were, you, that was around like, I think like maybe five to six years ago or something like that, right? Yeah, it's about five years now. That, I mean, uh, there's a common saying that uh, whereby they mentioned, sorry, there's a common saying that you're kind of like living in dark years when you're in crypto because everything moves so fast, right? So, so have you changed throughout those five years and sort of like that idealism for status quo and etc. Do you think that has maintained or, or the essence has maintained or has shape shifted in something else? Like, like tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, it has been so much growth, so much change. And I'll give you some examples. the The first time I went to to Cape Town to visit Luno's office, that was in twenty. Let me see. That was in twenty eighteen. I think it was in March, February or March twenty eighteen. So when I when I got there, I was expecting like everyone there to be like hardcore crypto, right? Everyone there to be talking about. Uh, you know, the private keys, you know, 256 secure encryption, 256-bit secure encryption and all that. And I actually realized that over there um, in the headquarters, no doubt people had a lot of knowledge, but mostly people were talking about, oh, what I did last weekend, what movie I watched, you know, how's my pets doing? So I realized that actually the, the, the thing about crypto is that we can often be in our small little bubble and we think that everyone is interested in um, you know, encryption, everyone is interested in, in, in libertarianism, you know, all these very, very complex concepts. But actually, crypto may actually mean very different for a different segment of the population. So maybe the, the Venezuelan people may be thinking, oh, crypto is my way of preserving wealth from, say, a very bad government. And then somebody else in Southeast Asia may say that, oh, crypto is my way of uh, actually doing remittance for very cheap. And then somebody else may say, oh, crypto is my way of hopefully reaching financial freedom, right? The, the to the moon kind of person. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many different ways. And, and I would say that what I've learned in, in the space is that it's very easy to, to, to fall into, okay, I'm in this camp, right? I'm in camp Bitcoin. I mean, Cam Ethereum and everything else is shit, right? Everything else is a shit coin. But I think the maturity of being here in the space is that we will most likely live in a, in a multiple possibility world, right? So Bitcoin doesn't have to be just about investing. Bitcoin doesn't have to be just about making payments. It can be a mix of all these things. And I think that's one of the, the biggest lessons I've learned, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, if you've ever been on crypto Twitter, I mean, especially for the viewers, uh, it's a very different world and I think everybody has their own philosophies. Casey uh, is very well I, I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bit attacked, yeah. yeah. But yeah, going back to your journey, I think you're starting off your journey in, you say, 2016. I think during that time, uh, I joined crypto around that time as well. So, I mean, like, I really joined it. So, I want to ask, like, how how you like how you convince yourself to continue in crypto? Because back then, uh, I, I my personal experience is that I go to a lot of finance forum, finance group in Facebook, uh, Malaysia centric one, and even go global one. When I ask about crypto, everyone is just telling me like this is a scam. Don't buy into Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a big scam. It's a big Ponzi. So like, how's your thought process like? for you to continue in your crypto journey despite all this like people saying like Bitcoin is scam back then? Yeah, I'm quite like you, Casey, because I've, I also try and do my reading online. I'm a huge internet reader, so I'm, I'm not very good at actually like YouTube videos or even podcasts, but I, I do try and read as much as possible on Twitter. And I, I think the more I read about the idea, the, the concept behind it, and something we talked about decentralization the more i realized that this is actually in my view at least it is where nature tends to bring us because if you look at the the whole idea of history right you look at 
thousands of years ago, I mean hundreds of years ago. It all started from like uh, dictators and monarchies, right? Where there's one guy who is at the, he is the leader of everything and everything must flow through him or his officials. And then over time, we evolved into systems of democracy. And democracy is basically power to the people, right? It's basically the previous form of decentralized power. Instead of power accumulating in one person, it is now every single citizen has the power to vote. So actually, if you think about it, the way our human nature has, has continued to evolve is that it, it tends to decentralize over time. And then you start to look at what happened with the internet. Internet started to decentralize things like news. So instead of all the information flowing through newspapers or TV channels, everyone could start sharing information. Everyone could start a blog, right? And you can see that democratization of data. So to me, when I look at the concepts behind crypto, which is trying to make money or trying to make assets, not under the power of a single entity, but to make it democratize it again over large volumes of people, to me, it was like a natural progression of ideas. So that's how I, I looked at it. And no doubt that the, the process is not easy, right? It's not like it's going to happen tomorrow and everything's going to be rosy. It has taken years. It might even take decades to happen. But ultimately, the idea behind it, to me, is like very clear that that idea is very strong and it can only continue to grow. It uh, seems like there's a very natural link between your own personal philosophy and also the mission that you're carrying out at Luno, right? So uh, could you tell us a little bit more about this? I mean, it seems to us that you have this real belief, like really, really strong belief that eventually this thing like cur currency and money will be decentralized as well in the form of crypto. So how are you doing that with Luno? Yeah, so what we're doing at Luno today, if I can share a bit more on the, the company's vision, is we want to try and make it safe and easy for people to, to start getting their first crypto transaction or to even learn about crypto. So to me, that's where the, the, the greatest need is right now. Because if you ask 100 people today, right, maybe five will say, oh, I've invested in crypto. But if you ask you know, do 10% even really understand why, what's crypto? I think we will all agree that the, the knowledge, the understanding of it is still at a very basic level. And I think that's where um, the company vision is, is, is right now. And I think it's, it's rightfully so that we want to spread the education, we want to spread the awareness. Um, we want to make it safe and simple. And I think I've personally been quite fortunate because you said it, it kind of aligns with my own personal vision. Because I think for whatever reason, uh, my talents or abilities have somehow put me into this <laughs> um, area where I can understand crypto perhaps a bit better. And I also have this interest or passion to help uh, spread awareness and to help teach wherever I can. Got it. And many people didn't know about this, but you were actually Luno's first employee. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah and, in number and, one, yeah. And that takes a lot of courage. And I'm just not sure how you did it simply because you went into the jungle, like seriously, because you had a career which was like six to seven years, I think, in oil and gas, right? Before that. Nah, so uh, yeah, I'm a bit older. Uh, oil and gas <laughs> career was like nine years. And then oh, two, wow, years, okay, yeah. two years in uh, learning and development. So 11 years before I joined crypto. Exactly. And like, how did you just 
jump onto the, the opportunity like that because I think for a lot of people, you know, after 11 years in, you're pretty much settled in, you know, you know the ins and outs and everything like that. Did you just follow your intuition or was it like, was it like, a, you know what, I'm just going to do it or it was like a very calculated subconscious process. Like, what was it like actually? We talked already about the belief part, you know, the mm-hmm. idea that it's growing. Um, I just on the decision making, like, you know, do I leave my previous career and then move into the into this crypto career? Um, I tend to 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 view it in in terms of like a cost benefit kind of analysis. I don't know if this is like yeah yeah CBA right. <laughs> I don't know engineering or consulting. I don't know what framework it is lah. But you you kind of look at it from a cost benefit analysis. To me, it was clear that um, what do I have to lose, right? Um, you know, there's a lot to gain. There's a lot to learn. If it so happens that the, the industry doesn't work out, or if so, if it so happens that the company itself doesn't work out, the career doesn't work out, and then that's just too bad. Lah. Maybe I lose one to two years of my um working. Well, not even you, you won't even lose it, right? Because that one to two years you will gain so much experience, right? Mm-hmm. right. So yeah. to me, it was almost like a no-loss situation. And it's not like I'm it's not like I'm super brave, like I'm putting 500 k of my own money, right? I'm I'm just literally an employee. Uh, I'm still getting paid wages. So maybe the worst case scenario is I don't I just don't get paid wages lah. But thankfully, you know, everything worked out. And I think the other aspect that I want to share here about um making that decision. Um I had another point. Um let me see. Okay, we'll get back to that later if I if I remember. So just a quick question though. So is Luno actually paying you a wage now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thankfully, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. good. Otherwise, yeah, <laughs> I will complain on your behalf. <laughs> that is a good question you asked, Juming. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying about like how if you were to actually be in crypto, like one to two years, you'd be learning in terms of dog years. Uh, even for me, you know, things I've I've learned so much in such a short amount of time. Uh, huge data dump but what you learn from running Luno I mean it's like you've been running this for about four years now and and I'm sure that you look the same probably you don't look that different because you still look really young (laughs) 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 but you've probably changed a lot and I just want to know how much have you changed and if you could go back in time like four years back and you can kind of tell the Aaron from before something uh, or whatever it is that you want to tell him, like what would you tell him? Yeah, in terms of how, I wouldn't say how I've changed, but maybe how what I've learned and also how my perception has changed is uh, I didn't realize how big or how important regulation is going to be. And I know it regulation may not be a, a favorite topic for crypto community because, <laughs> you know, many people will say, you know, why do we need regulation, right? Let's, let's just... You know, screw the regulations and let's be completely decentralized. Um, but I think for most people, uh, most countries, crypto is not going to reach mass adoption without some level of compromise with regulation, right? Um, if, you know, if we go back right until the, the very, very early days and, and we say that, you know, governments are not going to even make any, like, semi-positive or somewhat accepted 
acceptable stance towards crypto, I don't think the adoption would be as fast as, as it is today. And I think for us to really reach mass adoption, um, continue working with the regulators is going to be important. So why I say that is because actually a big part of what I do today, when I joined the, the role, I thought, okay, you know, every day I'm going to be on podcasts, webinar, every day I'm going to be doing talks and educating people about crypto, right? Uh, it turns out a, a big part of my time is actually working with the regulators, you know, uh, explaining, educating what is crypto, how can crypto uh, exist in a world where we are trying to stamp out crime, for example. So that actually, I didn't realize at the start, right? At the start of the, the career, I had no idea that there's so much regulation involved. So that has been a pretty big learning experience for me. And hopefully we can continue to, to improve and, and work with the regulators better on that. Lah. Um, what would I say to myself going in four years ago? I would say that, you know, go with an open mind and uh, try to learn from those who, who have, have walked that path before you. I think the very interesting thing about crypto is you're not going to be learning from um, you know, a professor or somebody. You're learning from someone young like Casey, right? Casey probably knows tons more than me in, in the crypto space because he's, he's, he's constantly in the thick of action. And I'm like kind of like dealing with regulators all the time. So, Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, you have to, to go with that open mind and, and be willing to learn from everyone, young, old, different, you know, whatever, different color, different race, different language. Um, and the other thing I would say is I would also um, almost um, be more confident in my, in my instincts. Because again, when I started, you, you may think that I'm brave to, to jump in, but I also have my doubts, right? So I would say that if, if I believe in something to, to continue to have conviction and yeah, go all out with the belief that it'll, it'll work. That's amazing. And yeah, I actually agree with you on that point. Uh, I think a lot of people, I think a lot, especially people that are more senior would not be able to kind of comprehend like how, how knowledge is really power in crypto. And sometimes uh, the thick of the knowledge is with the younger generation, actually. <laughs> much, much younger. <laughs> Yeah, much well, younger than Casey as well. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot from younger guys as well. You know, like recently, there's a lot of new developers in crypto space that is just teenagers. It's crazy, but this is a space where no matter how what what is your age is, you can actually join in. So I think that's really an amazing thing about crypto. Yeah, amazing. I've I've been reading news of people making incomes playing. Uh, what's that? Xe in infinity, infinity, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I made a video on that one, and <laughs> <laughs> this is a sudden plug in from Jungwang. But yeah, actually, it's an interesting game. So for well, for people who still don't know it, please look it out because it is an opportunity for you to learn crypto as well as able to play game. Uh, yeah. Let's go back a little bit about Luno. So Aaron, uh, I think re like today we have a lot of different exchanges and everyone has their preference in using exchanges. So what is the competitive advantage of Luno that you think that people should use it? I want to say that Luno strength is in the user experience, in, in making it simple and easy. So if you, if you notice in, in our product itself, it's 
we almost want to call it like human-centered design. You know, it's not like you immediately go in, you see 20 graphs and for, for you, for someone like Casey and, and Chu Wong, you, you'll be fine with it, right? you probably find it, oh, interesting, you know, so many things to play with. But for an average person, they might get very, very scared about it. So I think what we, we really want to come across is something that's simple, but safe and also easy to learn. So that's where we, we believe our competitive advantage is. And, you know, I, you know, there's different exchanges, there's different competitors in the space. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not such a, I, w- I wouldn't say like I'm a super competitive person. Like I think that everyone can coexist. Everyone needs to find their niche. And for us, our niche is really one thing to make it safe and easy. Lah. Cool, cool. I have one more question. Uh, this question is, is, yeah, it's what my friend's been doing. So I want to shout out to uh, our last, well, last, last podcast guest, Jason, because if, if it's not of, because of Jason, we wouldn't be able to get you on. So, so Jason is running a crypto startup. Um, I just want to get your view because a youngster like me, right? I think a lot of youngsters like me, we want to run a startup specifically on crypto right now because crypto is so new. It's the beginning of the golden age. So uh, what's your opinion on running a crypto startup? Uh, what's the benefit of running a crypto startup in Malaysia, in your opinion? And um, yeah, I, I, I want to know more about that from, from your side of thinking because you run Luno, which is a, well, I would say the biggest exchange in Malaysia right now. Sure. So whatever I share, again, you have to keep this keep in mind that I am a salaried employee while, while I was part of the, the starting team. It is quite fundamentally different from literally like raising money, you know, putting or even investing your own money and starting it up from scratch, right? Uh, with that being said, I think Malaysia has some very clear advantages. And number one is Malaysia is actually comparatively, it is a low cost of living place, right? So even if you look at CoinGecko guys, right, listen to their interviews, they say that, you know, being in Malaysia, bootstrap, they actually allowed them to grow because the cost of living here is is cheaper versus, say, you trying to raise a company in San Francisco or something. So I think that's one key competitive advantage. Number two, actually, our education and particularly our standard of English is pretty good, Yeah. If you find Malaysians who are uh, like yourselves, you know, you can actually communicate with so many people from different, different countries all across the world, right? Collaboration is not going to be a problem with, for you, whether you want to collaborate with someone from India or the US or China, especially if you speak multiple languages like Chinese, for example, then you can even cover Hong Kong, China as well. So communication is, is something that I think Malaysia has a good advantage. Um, thirdly, I think... This is not Malaysia-specific, but it is more on the global decentralized nature of crypto itself. It actually doesn't matter so much anymore whether you are based in KL, whether you're based in JB, because you would still be able to, thanks to the technology of Twitter, whatever, you can reach out to venture capitalists, you can reach out to um, people who are interested into funding your projects. So I would say that the nature of crypto itself makes it so accessible. And yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll see more and more entrepreneurs. I, the, the guys who run, what was it? Um, Torum, the guys who run Torum are also doing pretty well right now, right? So hopefully we'll see more and more Malaysian entrepreneurs come up. Yeah. 
definitely hoping to see that as well. And, you know, a, a quick question would be, I mean, Luno started off with you as one uh, employee. And how big is Luno now, actually? So we have more than 40 employees in KL today. Hopefully, we will get to 50 soon. That is crazy. So I, I guess uh, uh, another question to sort of note is that Throughout the process of hiring and sort of like onboarding people and teaching and teaching sort of crypto to all these newcomers and things like that, you've probably developed a, an ability to kind of just easily impart your knowledge of crypto in a very simplistic and easy manner. So that puts you in a very awkward position whereby you are in the middle, right smack in the middle where you, where you can straight away tell whether someone knows crypto or does not know crypto. <laughs> and at the same time, you also have to cater to people that are super retail as well. So you're torn between, uh, you're in a position where people, uh, between people that totally disagree with the concept of crypto or just are ignorant of crypto, and also a bunch of people that think that crypto is everything. So how do you manage that and manage those expectations? I think that's a big challenge for a person like you as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's a matter of knowing your audience. So I'll give you a simple example. When, whenever I go for a speaking engagement and it is, for example, a mixed audience, because in, in the audience, typically, let's say I go to a university to give a talk, right? Maybe 50% of the audience has just roughly heard about crypto. And then like 20% uh, have actually tried crypto through Luno. And then like 10% of them are like KC and Chunwung, right? They have probably like staking, yield farming all KC, across KC. the planet, right? <laughs> so what I try to do when I come to this kind of places is I say that, okay, I'm just going to cover the basics first because I want to get the, the beginners comfortable and at least to a certain level where they can understand the basics. And then for all those like difficult technical questions, you can ask me in the question and answer and I'll try my best to answer them lah. So I think it is a matter of trying to reach the, the average general public first, bring them up, and then after that, you can discuss further details. Um, if you're going to targeted audiences, for example, let's say today I'm speaking to a group of investment professionals, and these are like, let's say people who work in the stock markets, and they believe that by large, crypto is a scam. Or for example, let's say I'm speaking to a group of, uh, uh, students or I'm speaking to a, not, not really a mixed group so I will try and empathize and try and figure out what speaks to them in, in their language and if I go back to the, the example of people in traditional finance, people who are studying for CFA, then I need to tweak my language to, to meet their language I need to talk about things like sharp ratio, la, portfolio allocation la. I need to talk about things like that because then it will speak to them um, but ultimately, I will tell them that I'm not an expert, but this is what I know, and I'm trying to share it in a language that hopefully they understand. Wow, that, that is a really amazing <laughs> skill you have right there, because yeah, that's basically what, what I lack of right now. Hopefully, <laughs> I'll learn how to speak with different audience uh, in the future, just by just taking the way to speak to them. Uh, so I think that's conclude our first section of this podcast. And in the next section, um, this is the non-financial advice section, an FA section. So this section, whatever we say here, the guests, the host, everything is just our own opinion. And please do not take it as investment advices. 
All right, so normally we will ask our guests like top five Luno coins. <laughs> Those that are their, their favorite question. And I think the statistics, statistic actually shows like people actually skip to the part when they first watch the podcast to, to see the part first before going back uh, to listen the whole podcast. Um, well, but I don't think it's appropriate to ask you about that. So instead, we will go with what is the top non-Luno crypto project that you are actually interested in? Right. So can I sort of take a, a slightly easier way out? Can I speak more broadly about uh, segments in the crypto industry? Um, uh, yeah, and the reason for that is because obviously I work for Luno and, <laughs> I, and I, I, yeah, I don't want people to be saying, oh, the, the guy from Luno says this <laughs> is, is good. Right? That's, so, that's true. Yeah, so I'm a bit worried about that. But if we talk about broadly speaking, three crypto segments that I'm personally interested in, and again, this comes from my personal opinion, I would say DeFi broadly is one area that it's super, super impressive and amazing for me. Um, and the reason why is because even at Luno and myself personally, we have always you know, there was a period of time where people were talking about, I'm going to use blockchain for this. I'm going to use blockchain for that, right? There was a hype cycle for like maybe two, three years. People say blockchain this, blockchain, blockchain can solve whatever, voting, governance, everything blockchain, right? But blockchain is the magic bullet to everything. But what we believed was blockchain main use case was going to be in the area of financial related stuff. So that's, cryptocurrency that is investment that is remittance things related to that and to me DeFi just took it to the next level right uh, you can do all your uh, yeah if, if I can just share a bit on what DeFi is it's, it's short for decentralized finance and it will allow you for example to to do lending or borrowing online using your cryptos without the need to like go into a bank or sign any forms or anything. Everything is done completely online, completely using algorithms. So I think that was like a, a super, super, one of the industry segments that super excites me, DeFi. Um, if I were to say number two, something that I'm closely watching is the area of stable coins. Because stable coins, very, very famous one was USDT, Tether. Um, and it's particularly interesting because I saw a research saying that stable coins usage is actually very, very popular in Southeast Asia compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. If you compare to Europe, compared to especially those developed economies, because for whatever reason, maybe um, they are a lot more confident in their currencies, whatever. So stable coins is something that I, I look at quite closely, especially since it tends to invite regulatory um, interest and attention, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it, it's something that I'm, I'm quite uh, keen and I'm quite watching. So if not in Malaysia, but overseas, Luno actually uh, supports a stable coin called USDC. Um, and that is one of the more regulatory friendly uh, stable coins. La. So yeah, I'm, I'm eagerly watching and, you know, recent news suggests that more and more regulation is coming. So, you know, for example, some crypto exchanges are getting warning letters in many countries now. Um, and yeah, I'm very, very curious to see what happens with stable coins. Um, thirdly, I'm going to suggest um, something to do with decentralized exchanges. 
And again, you can say that decentralized exchanges are perhaps a smaller subset of the broader category of DeFi. Lah. But the whole idea of, you know, all, almost, um, what do you call it? Almost disrupting the centralized exchange model, right? The whole idea that you don't even need a company to do it anymore. You can do all your trading between pairs using just software. I think that idea is very powerful. And I think the idea can only continue to grow. Um, and yeah, that's the third industry segment that I'm really closely watching. That is interesting because mm. mainly you work in a centralized exchange. <laughs> but uh, from, from what I hear, you're actually pretty excited on how decentralized exchange will grow. Yeah, it's, it's almost my responsibility also, right? Because if you're a centralized exchange and then you, you see the rise of decentralized exchanges, and you're like covering your eyes, you're not even following it, right? Aren't you like at risk of putting yourself obsolete, right? So you kind of want to learn what's happening in the decentralized exchange space and then see if there's anything that you can learn or, you know, who knows one day maybe Luno needs to adapt, right? To, to maybe take on some features or functions that a decentralized exchange uses today. So yeah, it's very, very exciting. And you don't want to be, if I can use the analogy, if you're a taxi driver, you should not like take your eyes off what's happening with Uber and Grab, right? Because that's not going to end well for you. Rather, you should be following and trying to learn from them and, and see if you can adopt and, and adapt. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, once again, I just want to remind everyone this is non-financial advice. This is just uh, us expressing, <laughs> expressing yeah. our personal, you know, personal passion projects and etc. So, uh, yeah. And okay. So for the last part of this section, uh, before we tie up the whole thing, we just want to ask you the we usually ask our guests a word of the day, right? So if you potentially have a word on your mind, you can just tell us what kind of word that you'd like to share. And if it's possible, please share it like uh Casey and I are like five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Not literally five-year-olds, but yeah, <laughs> as simple as possible. So hmm, let me think. This is an interesting one. Because we've we've already talked spoken a bit about decentralized exchanges. We've already spoken a bit about what, DeFi, what about we right? throw something very interesting into the mix like what sure, is the, sure what is the word degen right? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to you've got to forgive me because this is my understanding <laughs> of the word degen right uh, and i never looked it up on urban dictionary but to me the the word degen it suggests somebody who is uh Trying to trying to break through the, the traditional norms, right? Because you, you know, traditional finance has very fixed norms, and you almost imagine a, a nice shiny building of a bank, a guy in a suit. That's the norm. And I think a DGN is someone who has, has broken away from that. He's in his t-shirt, he's he's chilling at home, he's doing all his his trading from his own personal laptop. And he's like, you know, fully invested in, in this world of decentralization which again the concept of decentralization is power to the people right i guess when i say it like that it's so unsexy it's like completely non-degen right but yeah i mean ultimately it is power to the people like the the average guy on the street taking back his power um and yeah maybe those guys who were trading what was it a gamestop i guess you could call them like degens as well because they were breaking through the the traditional norms of the guy in suit and tie hedge fund managers, but they're just people uh, 
you would like to think of them as normal individuals and they were able to to make a difference and, and make a good good earning in, in finance. That's okay. uh, that's a really pretty way to put this word. <laughs> yeah, that's a very yeah. formal way of placing it. <laughs> of describing it such a word. Okay, so thank you so much for joining the podcast, Aaron. And usually at the end of the session, we would usually have the floor open for you to pitch whatever it is that's going on for you. Uh, so whatever it is that you're working on, if there's an event or anything that you're looking forward to sharing with the public or, or anything like that, feel free to talk a little bit about it and the floor is open. Yep. So I would say that, um, hmm, what, what would be interesting? Okay. Um, I will say that Coindesk, so Coindesk, uh, for those of you who, who do not know, Coindesk is actually in, uh, I guess you can call it informational website on, on crypto related news. Um, Coindesk is actually a sister company of Luno because we have the, the same owner, right? So if you are, you know, Luno, if, if you are familiar with Luno, do remember to check out Coindesk as well because actually some of the stuff that you guys have asked me, right? Like explain it like I'm five years old or some of the things we spoke about, like explain it like I'm a CFA person or explain it like I'm an investment professional. Actually, Coindesk.com actually has a very, very wide database of information and you can find whatever you whatever you like right you can find videos you can find investment thesis like full page documents like many many page documents or you can even find like really short articles so yeah if you are curious interested to learn more do check out coindesk.com as well if you uh, luno.com has not given you sufficient articles yeah do check out coindesk.com Okay, and that was Aaron Tang from Duno. Thank you so much once again for yep. joining the Thank Crypto you, Coffee Thiam. Thanks, and guys. Yeah, Appreciate that's it. it. See you guys in the next episode. Hi, guys. This is Aaron Tang from Luno. And I'd just like to remind you guys that the Crypto Coffee Thiam will be moving from Chun Wing's channel to a new channel. So stay tuned, guys. Whoa! <laughs>